Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillah Wassalatu wassalam Ala ashraf al-anbiya Wa khatim al-nabiyyin Nabiyana Muhammad Wa ala alih Wa ashabih Wa man tabi'ahum bil-ihsan Ila yawmiddin Today we wanted to talk with you about The coming of Ramadan And about how Ramadan It seems as though it just left And it's about to be at our doors again but the thing is, we want to go into Ramadan this year with a little bit of an understanding or a little bit more of an understanding about what this month is for each and every one of us. It's not just a time when we leave off our food and our drink. It's not just a time when we leave off some of these other things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden us from during the days of Ramadan. But it's a time for us to gain forgiveness. It's a time for us to receive an abundant amount of reward from our Lord by during this small period of time out of the course of the year, by us working hard on being obedient to Him. Now today we want to focus on first and foremost the fact that the month of Ramadan it is legislated Islamically that we fast. Those on whom fasting is an obligation, we must fast throughout the course of this month. As well, we want to talk about two, or as well, we're going to talk about two major benefits that we all have to look forward to coming out of Ramadan. Now the first of these things, as we said, we wanted to talk with you about is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 185. And in this Ayah, Allah ta'ala, He says, Shahrul Ramadan, Alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an, Hudan lil-nas, wa bayinatin min al-huda wal-furqan. فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرِ فَلْيَسُمُّ All the way to the end of this particular ayah. Now, in this ayah, we know that Allah Ta'ala, He says, The month of Ramadan, in which was revealed or sent down the Qur'an, as a guidance for mankind and clear proofs for the guidance and the criterion, the criterion between the right and the wrong. So whoever from amongst you witnesses the month, then he should fast it. Now we're going to talk about a couple of different things inside of here. But this is the general gist of the part of the ayah. Of course the ayah continues on, but this is the part we want to talk about. This is the shahid, or the part that we want to focus on as far as being a proof for what we're talking about. And remember right now we're talking about the fact that Fasting during the month of Ramadan is an obligation on those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it an obligation upon. Now there are a couple of things we want to point out here. In this particular ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as you see, has actually named or actually pointed out this particular month by, by name. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Jahrul Ramadan. And He says that it is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed and the Qur'an was sent down. 
And in it, he also explains the reason behind it. As a guidance for mankind, as well as some clarity, or giving some clarity or shedding some light on the guidance and the furqan. And this is what we were talking about, this criterion. This thing that breaks between, or is the breaking point between the truth and falsehood. And the part that we want to focus on here is this very next part of this eye, this small part of this eye, where he says, فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمْ Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And whoever witnesses from amongst you the month, فَلْيَسُمُّ He says, then fast it. Now one of the things we want to point out here is this word shahida. Because it actually in the Arabic language has two different meanings. And both of them actually apply here. When you look up into the books of Tafsir, you'll see that both of these meanings hold fast. And the first of these meanings is hadara. So whoever is there and actually witnesses the coming of this month, Whoever can testify to the fact that this month actually came in because they were there when it was known that the month came in. Or they were from amongst those people who witnessed the fact that the month had begun, the month of Ramadan. And the second meaning is Alima. The second meaning is whoever knows that this month has come in. Whomever the news has reached them that the month has started, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلْيَسُمُّ So as we see from the books of Tafasir, they explain to us that both of these meanings apply. So whether it be that you be one of those people who witnessed the month coming in, or one of those people, as the majority of us are, who just receive the information from a credible source that the month has started, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala generally has made it upon the Muslims to do what? To fast it. As well, for those of you who have done a little bit of studying of the Arabic language, you understand that this word, فَلْيَسُمُّ where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so fast it. We understand that this is an obligation. We understand that this is a command. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is commanding you. He's not asking you. He's telling you to fast it. And the scholars explain in this particular issue as well as others like it. That whenever an amr or a command comes. Or actually I'll explain it like this. There's, an, there's a qa'idah usuliyah. There's a principle in, in usul in which they say Now what does this mean? Because this is important. This is something that you can use to understand this as well as any other command that comes along. And this principle states that a command it points us to the fact that that thing that we were commanded with is an obligation. Yaktadil wujub. Except that there be a qarina, sarifa. 
What is this qarina? A qarina is something that points us to the fact that something else actually was meant by this amr. This qarina is like a sign or, or, or a symbol. And sarifa means that it is telling you that the original thing that we were talking about, which is this amr, meaning that something is wajib, that this is something that is not wanted. This is not what is intended. So here we know as long as this amr is here, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to fast it, then this command means that it's wajib until someone brings some dalil saying that it is what? That it is not wajib. So as we see, this particular ayah and there are other ayat and other ahadith to prove to us the fact that fasting during the month of Ramadan is something that is an obligation on the Muslims, generally. Now, this was our first point. But really what it is we want to talk about today are some of those benefits that we get from fasting. Because I know a lot of us, sometimes we go into the month of Ramadan, or actually we know it's coming and we think, oh man, how am I going to get through this year? I got a lot of things I need to do. How am I going to fit fasting inside of my, 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 my work schedule? How am I going to fit the Salat al-Tarawih and my night schedule? How am I going to get done what I need to get done trying to fast while I'm doing it? But that mind frame or that mindset that we have, a lot of times we see is dead wrong. Why? Because of the fact that we need to be fasting for the purpose of trying to receive the reward from Allah Ta'ala. And I think that the problem is a lot of us don't understand what are some of these rewards. And we want to talk about two of them today. The first of them comes from a hadith that is narrated in the Sahih of Imam Bukhari. Rahimahullah. And it is a hadith that is narrated on Abi Huraira radiallahu ta'ala an, where he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبي Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala and he says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said whoever fasts the month of Ramadan out of having iman or belief as well as ihtisaban or seeking the reward from Allah ta'ala then his past sins will be forgiven. Now look back at yesterday, or even a week ago, or a month ago. How many of us have done so many evil or bad deeds that we can't even keep count of? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us the ability, or giving us the chance to have these sins forgiven. Now mind you, there is a lot of ikhtilaf on whether or not, or a lot of differences of opinion on whether or not these sins, whether or not they're your 
major sins and your minor sins or just your minor sins. But either way, how many of us don't, even if it was just your minor sins, don't need those forgiven? This is a major opportunity for us. We're talking about having our sins forgiven. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, here he didn't just say whoever fasts Ramadan. We need to keep this in mind. But rather he says whoever fasts Ramadan, imanin. Okay, what does this mean? Out of belief. You need to believe that fasting Ramadan is an obligation on you. It's something that your Lord has commanded you to do. And this is the reason why you do it, ihtisabin, because you believe that Allah commanded you to do it, and ihtisabin, that you're waiting for the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do it because you believe that Allah commanded you, as well as you believe and you know with a surety that if you do it for the sake of Allah, then Allah will reward you greatly for it. This is what they mean when they say ihtisabin. You're not doing it because of the fact that the brothers and the sisters are going to look at you funny if you're not fasting and they are. You're not doing it because everyone else around you is doing it and you want to be down or you want to be part of the group of people that either you work with or you're with all day or even your family. You're not doing it because your mother and father commanded you to do it. But rather you're doing it because of the fact that you know with a surety that Allah will reward you. And this is something that you'll have waiting for you. So the Messenger of Allah, he says here in this hadith, that if you fast the month of Ramadan, and again, not just fast it for whatever reason, but if you do it, imanin wihtisaban. He says that, that individual's past sins will be forgiven. And as we said, this isn't the time or the place for us to talk about whether or not they're the major sins or the minor sins. And it's understood that the scholars have differences of opinion about which statement is more correct. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, it's just our minor sins. Who from amongst us, again, is not in need of having these sins forgiven? And just for those of you who would like to go back and find this particular hadith, this particular hadith has been narrated by both Imam Bukhari as well as Imam Muslim, as well as Abi Dawood. So you see, this is one of the benefits that we wanted to mention to you today. And that other benefit, also you can find the proof for it in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari, Rahimahullah, where he reports that Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, radiallahu anhu, he said that he heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, Man sama yawman fi sabillillah, ba'dallahu wajhahu anil-nar, sab'ina kharifa. This hadith, I'm sure a lot of you have heard it already, and you probably heard it a lot of times. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, whoever fasts a day 
في سبيل الله for the sake of Allah Ta'ala again this is not for the sake of our individual friends or our family members or the people at the masjid whoever fasts a day في سبيل الله for the sake of Allah بعد الله وجهه عن النار سبعين خريفة that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove his face or make the distance between his face and the hellfire سبعين خريفة this is 70 خريفة خريفة here they're talking about years so he says that they will remove the person's face from the hellfire put the distance between the individual's face and the hellfire of 70 years this is for one day and in other narrations we'll find that instead of where he says he says but all of it is about the same meaning now, what we want you to understand about all of this is the fact that the Messenger of Allah, والسلام, he was explaining that this is for whoever fasts a day. Now, this isn't necessarily tied specifically to Ramadan. He's just talking in general about whoever fasts a day, fi sabilillah. Now, look at the fact that we're talking about not only fasting a day, but we're talking about fasting an entire month. And if you could do this, look at the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to have set up for you. Now we can't keep going into Ramadan and can't keep being in the Ramadan thinking, okay, I can't wait until Ramadan is over. Feeling as though we're being troubled by having to fast Ramadan. And I don't think there are too many people that don't feel like that sometimes. But we have to realize that everything, every single thing that Allah Ta'ala has commanded us with, it's only for our own good. We're the ones that's going to get benefit out of it. Look at this, we fast a month of Ramadan. We're looking at the chance of having our sins forgiven as this other hadith, the hadith that Abu Huraira reported just a minute ago we talked about. And then we have this hadith here talking about the fact that for every day an individual fasts and again we said is looking for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whoever does this then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put the distance between that individual's face and the hellfire and we say the kharifa is a what? Is a sena. So 70 years. So, who is this obligation of fasting the month of Ramadan helping? Allah's not benefiting at all from it. He doesn't benefit at all from any of the things that He commanded us to do. It's all only for our benefit. And we need to start looking at the different types of ibadat, especially this siyam, especially this month of fasting. As though it's only going to bring about good for us. And this is what we're working for in the course of this month. Now, as usual, we want to, as we take some of these hadith, talk about a little bit about the narrator of the particular hadith. 
And we've talked about Abu Huraira plenty of times, so I'm not going to go back over him. But we do want to discuss just a little bit of beneficial points or a small amount of beneficial points about who Abi Sa'id al-Khudri is or was. First and foremost, his name was Sa'd ibn Malik ibn Sanan ibn Ubaid al-Ansari. And another good thing to know about him is that both him and his father were both Sahaba, or they were said both to have a suhbah ma'a Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. They were both considered to be Sahabas of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. And another thing that's known about him is that he was kind of young to go out and fight Uhud. But those other battles that came after that, that he was out there on the battlefield with the Muslims. We also know that he was considered to be from the Sigar of the Sahaba, or from the small Sahaba. And I think not too long ago, a few months ago, we had a dars about the different tabaqat, or the different levels of the Sahaba. Inshallah, you can refer back to that class. As well as we know that he was not only a faqih, but he was a mujtahid of his time. We know that he was from the Mukathirin, Libriwayat, and the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. That he was from amongst those Sahaba that had some of the most or the largest number of riwayat or narrations on the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. He was from amongst this group and they are called the Mukathirin, Libriwayat, and the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. Or the ones that had the most narrations on the Prophet as well as it is known that he died in Medina and this was just a little bit of information about Abi Sa'id al-Khudri now as usual I want to point out something inshallah we're about done so bear with me for one more minute I just want to remind you of something you're sitting here and you're taking this class and we need to understand the importance of us seeking knowledge and what we seek knowledge for. Yes, we're seeking knowledge because of the fact that we want to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As well, we're seeking knowledge because we want to lift the ignorance off of ourselves. And we're seeking knowledge for the fact that we want to lift the ignorance off of those around us. So when you have an opportunity to get some knowledge, take it seriously. Take it as though it's something that is nafis or something that is precious. Don't just take it and listen to the knowledge and let it go in one ear and out the other. Take out your pencils and papers and write down what it is that you need to know. As well as, as you know, with these, with the darus that we've been doing, we usually try to pick out small ayat and small ahadith and small athar so that they're easy for you to memorize. We usually try to let you know exactly where they're at so that you can memorize these things for yourself, obviously. 
but also don't forget you have an obligation to call to what you know. And this way you have some proofs behind what it is that you're telling the people. So this ayah that we brought, or the part of this ayah that we brought, inshallah ta'ala, now you have a better understanding of it. You know where it's at. And you can understand and explain some of the wording in it. As well as both of these short hadith. So write them down. Memorize them. And begin to teach others that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with. Now, I did forget one thing. I need to go back and let you know where this second hadith can be found. You can find the second hadith in a lot of the Qutb al-Sitta. You can find it both in Imam al-Bukhari's book. You can find it in Imam Muslim's book. You can find it in the Sunnah al-Tirmidhi as well as Sunnah al-Nasai. So, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for our sins. And not just to forgive us, but to pardon us for our sins. And to increase us in beneficial knowledge. And to put it in our hearts to have that desire to gain a closeness to him. More so than we ever had in our lives. Ameen, ameen, Allahumma ameen. Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik. Wa ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Wa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.